Hey there, Make Your Way listeners. Katie here, and I'm excited to share that Make Your Way is moving over to its own podcast RSS feed. To keep following the show, go to wherever you get your podcasts and search Make Your Way to subscribe. During the migration, you'll still see Make Your Way on the current feed where you're listening now, but after this season, you'll need to subscribe to the new feed to get all the latest episodes. We hope to see you over there. You're listening to Make Your Way, Season 5, Episode 7. Welcome to Make Your Way, where we explore what it means to work and create on your own terms. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Sarah. <laughs> for, for listeners who don't know, we often record these on Saturday mornings. Yeah. And it is, in fact, Saturday morning, but not as early as it often is when we record. That's so, true. You know. This is like two hours later. It's it's like yeah. uh, past this nine is... o'clock my time. I just led a writing group, so I am like vocally warmed up, <laughs> which is not the normal <laughs> case when it. we record yeah. at like seven in the morning and you're like the first <laughs> person I've talked to all day long. Uh, well, today, Katie, I think we want to talk a little bit about this idea of intentional funnels with our business. And I'm excited to dig into this because uh, before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about this. And I was like, huh, I don't know that I've, you know, intentionally thought of intentional funnels. Uh, so I'm interested to hear a little bit from you, Katie, about what funnels you have in your business. And what do we even mean by a funnel? Like, it, right. you know, we're, we're not baking here. So <laughs> how are we using funnels? Well, my favorite thing about funnels um, and really the the concept of the formal concept is like a sales funnel if, if you've heard of that um but it's like when people hear about this and they're just getting started with their businesses i feel like this concept like blows their mind but it's really mm -hmm. simple like the idea of it is really simple and that is that you would start um to engage with a potential client or customer in a way that is relatively small and and often include something free like a newsletter or in my case it's a podcast you know free content that i'm putting out and it could even include like really good social media tips you know if you're like on social and you're providing tips or strategies based on your content i mean whatever it could be lots of different things um, but the idea is that you kind of slowly acclimate that person to you in a way that they would want to buy something and the idea of a funnel is that the the first thing that they might buy from you could be relatively small. Like like for me, they could buy my book, which is like, you know, less than $30 um, or one of my books. Um, and then maybe they would decide that they want to do something else with me. And, and maybe it's a little bit more. And the idea is that you kind of bring people into this sales funnel where they might become a repeat customer. They might see some of your work begin to trust you and decide to invest in something that you've created. And um, I think a lot of people in online business feel like it's a really big step when someone decides to actually pay you for something versus mm -hmm. just listening to your content or engaging with you. And, and there are a lot of online businesses that I engage with just their content and they haven't really produced anything that I want to buy or that would be useful for me. But if they did, I would, you know, like because I just really enjoy what they put out there. So part of the idea of the funnel is that you're kind of just getting people acclimated, you're developing that relationship of trust so that when you do have something, they're ready to kind of take the step. And one product often leads to another product. So for example, um, people might come into my online community for academic writers called Prolific. And in that community, a lot of people who have been in my writing groups, they get a free lifetime membership. So there's a bunch of people in there who've already worked with me and coached with me. And they talk about that. And it may be that someone who's paying for Prolific hears somebody talking about that and decides, oh, I want to be in a writing group. So they may have found out about Prolific from my free podcast. They purchased Prolific. Then they decided, well, I want to have a lifetime membership to Prolific and I want to try this writing group thing. So I'm going to purchase a writing group. And then maybe from the writing group, they end up being a private coaching client of mine. So they would kind of work through this funnel of all the different kinds of products. Now, the idea of an intentional funnel, which is part of what we're going to talk about today, is that you actually set that up in a really intentional way so that you have, for example, a free product that is meant to get people to the sale um, and that is meant to kind of give them a taste of what it would be like to work with you in a particular way to the degree where they decide to kind of take the plunge. 
I think this is different from what we talked about when we talked about lead magnets, because it is very open. It's very um, intentional. It's very transparent that you're kind of working people through this idea of a funnel. Um, whereas when we talked about lead magnets, it was a little bit kind of um, shady, I think, to both of us in terms of what we were asking people to do. Um, so, but I'm curious, Sarah, like, how do you think about this in your business? Uh, and maybe if you're not getting super intentional about this, do you have an example of an experience where you went through this process with someone else? Like you got into their funnel and worked your way through it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there, there are a couple things that this all makes me think of when I think about funnels. First off, I have that visual of, um, you know, when you're a little kid and you go to the zoo or you go to like the amusement park or the fair or something, and there's that big circular funnel basically and you put your little penny in the slot and then yes. the penny like rolls and rolls and rolls around and, and then eventually gets to yes. the center and like spins really really fast and then goes in and you're like oh there was the penny let's put in another penny I used to love those things uh and so when you're talking about intentional funnels that's the visual I had and I think that's that's really true that's that, actually like, sometimes a really you'll have, good visual yeah sometimes you'll have people who kind of just spin much longer around the edge um, and then depending on, you know, depending on things and, and how the progress works and all of that, eventually they kind of get to the center. Um, some people don't though. So, you know, this isn't the exact perfect metaphor, but, um, I think for me in terms of, uh, the way that I interact with others and with other businesses, I am, I, I don't want to say I'm not likely to buy stuff, <laughs> but I, I find myself not, um, necessarily, doing the funnel the right way. Mm. <laughs> and so um, I, so to use an example, um, I will often, uh, you know, either read a, a book or something or my, you know, a friend will give me a book or recommend an author and I'll go buy a book of theirs um, and, and read that or, you know, engage with that in some way. And then find out like, oh, they have all of this great free stuff. Like I've already made the purchase <laughs> mm -hmm. before I've like done the outer ring of the funnel. So, so you're going through it backward, basically. I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the funny one for me was Brene Brown, right? Like I, I ended up buying and reading a couple of her books because they she'd come recommended um, from a few different people. And so I, I just bought one of her books and I read through it and I was like, this is amazing. I need more of her stuff. And then went and bought, again, several other of her books and only recently was like, oh, maybe I should like join her email newsletter. <laughs> like it just didn't even occur to me. Um, and so I find that a lot of my uh, interactions that way tend to be more, I, I almost want to say like traditional in the sense of like consumer, how the consumer relationship works. Uh, and so I, I don't know that I'm the best example of a funnel user. <laughs> Because I, I, I do it backwards, apparently. Um, it's not that I've not seen it work. And, and it's not that I, I don't think that they're valuable. I definitely do. Um, and I've seen it work even in my own business, even if it was an unintentional funnel. <laughs> um, so when I think about funnels for my own business, um, you know, there are a couple of different ones because there are, you know, various ways that people can work with me and in different kind of content areas and, and focuses. And so... Um, you know, some of the stuff I put out and, and some of the videos and those sorts of things are kind of that outer ring of the funnel that's free content, um, you know, especially I'm thinking about related to child development and those sorts of concepts that, um, you know, are valuable for people in lots of different fields. And then the next step in in from that might be joining the um, the newsletter that I have that goes out once a month. That's just a tip of the month, um, a strategy for people who are working with young kids and families um, for, you know, handling challenging behaviors or, you know, helping develop regulation skills or those sorts of things. So it's a little more hands on. Um, and then from there, if people are interested, they might be interested in, in purchasing the resilience toolkit. So like that's the most intentional, I would say, that I've gotten. Um, but it's not necessarily, I don't know, like, I feel like my funnels are not, necessar not necessarily with the, the focus of making the sale, which is maybe 
not the right way to do that. But <laughs> um, it's more about sort of the depth of the relationship building for me. And right. Katie, you and I have talked about this before that, that for us, really, the relationship is the, the commodity, right? Like that is the thing that that is the most important. And so whether that relationship ends up being a transactional one where you pay me money and I give you a service or whether it's, um, you know, you're constantly opening my emails and responding to them and, you know, engaging that way, like, both of those things serve me and serve my business. And so, um, you know, the one helps pay the bills and the other doesn't, I, I don't necessarily see it as a failure if somebody doesn't come all the way through the funnel or if they kind of stay on that outer ring for a longer time. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm not thinking when we talk about intentional quote unquote funnel, um, I don't know that I have any that are super specifically for the purpose of, you know, funneling someone into buying my services that way. Um, I maybe should. I don't know. Can you, should you, can you convince me that I should, Katie? <laughs> well, I mean, I, you... no, I think this is actually a really good point because I, I feel like the best funnels feel really natural. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like you feel like you're in a funnel and you're like getting sucked in. Like, I feel like the way we're talking about it is like, it feels like it's out of your control as a consumer, right. which is not the case. I right. think it's more, the question I guess I would raise is, If I have someone who, and I think about this as almost like being in an orbit, like someone's kind of Mm. orbiting around me, um, either on social, like we're connected or they're in my newsletter and they're, or they're following my blog or my podcast or whatever, you know, that may be. And one of the things that you have to think about as a business is why is that person showing up? Like, what is it that you're doing? This is kind of the magnetism thing that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that is drawing this person to you? And for better or for worse, businesses are there to make money. (laughs) So you want to be thinking about, you know, what is it that this person is going to be doing to kind of help you in your business? And it could be that they're going to buy something directly from you. It could also be that they're going to tell someone else about this thing that you're creating and that person might buy something from you. So it's not always about kind of the transactional. I think it's about the relationships like you're saying. But I also feel like I have this question, if someone's in that orbit and they're not buying, I'm always curious, like, what could I be creating that would help them? Like, Mm -hmm. what would help them make the step to take the leap to work with me? And that's not just about bringing in revenue. That's about me being able to solve my customers' problems and like Mm -hmm. help them. And I'm definitely starting to see more patterns in my own work of like the kinds of things I'm choosing to focus on. I'm starting to think about a couple new um, group coaching programs I want to develop that I'm seeing out of the patterns of my clients that I'm like, okay, like if they're dealing with this, I know other people are dealing with this. And... So anyway, I just think that it's part of it is about problem solving. And when you get people into, for lack of a better phrasing, like the lower levels of your funnel where they're just engaging for free, those are the people who are like asking me questions and who are sending in questions for me to answer on the podcast and who are emailing me like that was really helpful, you know, that you did this thing. And it's all good data of like, Mm -hmm. how can I get to know my audience better so that I'm creating the kinds of products that feel like a natural solution to them, like of course they would want that thing because it's solving their problem, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I feel like in some ways, it's not like this manipulative, like, Lou, let me get you into my funnel. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) let me get to know you so that I understand what you're dealing with. And, And really what's kind of ironic about it And what I'm realizing lately is people are drawn to listening to things like my podcast because I talk about stuff that they're dealing with. And I talk about those things because I'm dealing with those things. And so they're really Mm -hmm. just connecting with me because we have similar issues and things that we're interested in. And so when I create something, it's usually because I wanted it. Like (laughs) if Mm -hmm. someone else had it, I would buy it, but no one else does. So I'm going to create it. And then hopefully other people will be drawn into that thing because I know from experiencing it, that it's something I would have wanted. So mm-hmm. yeah, those are some thoughts. I don't know if that helps you feel like you want to have more intentional funnels or not. <laughs> that's not <laughs> no, really think, my goal. I think it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's interesting. And I, I wonder, you know, I'm kind of pondering over here the degree to which some of the 
language around funnels actually links back to our conversation about lead magnets, right? And so because these terms come from sort of the salesy marketing background a little bit, it, it, it can feel kind of weird and icky to those of us who are much more focused on the relationship building and personality and, and um, you know, building authentic communities and those kinds of things. Um, the idea of like, like you said, you're not trying to trap people in your funnel, but there is, again, right. it's like once visual, you're in, you can't get out. You I can't get out, out, right? Like there's this visual and I'm like, no, I don't want to trap people. Well, when you were talking about that, the metaphor of like the penny thing, which yeah. by the way, I also remember those from my childhood, but they were always in McDonald's and they were for the Ronald oh, yeah. McDonald Foundation. And you uh-huh. could put in your pennies to like give to these children yeah. who were in the Ronald McDonald Foundation. But it was like, once the penny was going it was kind of hard to stop the penny. You had to like put your hand in there and like, and why yeah. would you do that? I mean, why would you? Right. Anyway, um, but this idea of like, once it's started, it can't be stopped. Like yeah. that's the part of the funnel that I'm like, no, I mean, you can withdraw that's from not... my funnel whenever you want. Um, right. But the idea would be, I'm slowly building on my, I guess the other thing I guess that is really important is there's this alignment between Mm -hmm. what you're doing in all aspects of your business so that whether people are getting things for free or whether they're buying things, they see the connections between those things. That's the most important thing to me about the funnel is like if I'm selling you five different random products and none of them are connected to each other, it's Mm going to be harder to market them. First of all, Mm -hmm. we're not going to be able to cross promote anything, but also like it's just nothing leads to anything else. It's like you do the one thing and then you're done, you know, whereas Mm -hmm. I would like you to do the one thing and then look at my other things and see if they could Mm -hmm. be useful to you as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And and having that coherence and cohesion, um, you know, within the different products and services that you offer, I think is, is really important. And it's something I very much admire about you, Katie, because you are able to do that in a way that I don't often see. So well done. (laughs) Well, it takes time. (laughs) It does. (laughs) I mean, what I mean by that is not like I'm over here laboring, like creating these things. What I mean is that I think a lot about Mm -hmm. what would be the next step. And Mm -hmm. like right now, when I'm thinking about these group coaching programs, it's like I said, it's because clients have brought things to me. So I'll give a very concrete example. I'm thinking about developing a four week um, small group intensive called What's Next? Because I have all these clients that are in transition and they don't know what to do next. Like they're mm-hmm. they're questioning. They don't know if they should like stay at their job or leave their job. They don't know mm-hmm. if they should stay in academia or leave in academia. And it's not always a stay or go question. Sometimes it's just like a I feel dissatisfied and I don't know what to mm-hmm. do. Um, or I'm trying to decide what my next big project is or whatever. I mean, it could be a lot of things. But I'm feeling really drawn to this concept of what's next. And mm-hmm. I think that having a place where you can talk about that openly and like confidentially with a group of people who are also in that place and who are also trying to figure this out and to have a facilitator kind of lead you through some exercises that could help you get clear on what your values are, what your priorities are in this point in your life and how that can Mm -hmm. impact your next parts of your decision and give you some clarity, which is like all about what coaching is, is clarity. Like, that makes sense to me because I just Mm -hmm. am having all these conversations with people where they're like trying to figure this out. And a lot of them are coming to me in private coaching situations, but it may be that they want to have community around that. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's the kind of thing that it's like, that's a natural outgrowth of other things I'm doing that I think people are going to be drawn to. Like I could, Mm -hmm. I could see there being some interest in something like that. So I'm going to try to develop it and launch it this summer and kind of see what people think. And it may not be a program that I run all the time. It might be literally a one-time thing, but I'm getting enough signs from my current clients that I'm like, okay, like this makes sense to me. And I think that in the same way, like I was just listening to a different podcast where they were talking about this idea of pivoting in your business and how there are some pivots that people will do where you're like, why did you do that? Like, I mean, it's like mm-hmm. so different from what you did before. But then there are other pivots that you do where people just see it as an evolution. Mm-hmm. And the idea, I think, of product development or service development is that it's meant to be an evolution. So the, the funnel in some ways naturally happens. Like if you're mm-hmm. developing a series of products or services that are at a range of prices, Mm-hmm. It's going to make sense that they're going to get connected because your your business is evolving, your products and services are evolving based on client needs. Like there should be some kind of natural connection there. And I think because I've taken a while to think about 
my products, my services. You know, I took a year to get my coaching certification. I took six months to figure out what the Radical Self-Trust Group coaching program was going to be. Like giving those things time to incubate and also when I'm creating them in public and like telling people I'm doing this kind of work, by the time it comes out, people get it. Like they understand Mm -hmm. why I did that thing. They understand the connection between that thing and my earlier stuff. So to me, it feels very natural. I mean, I think if Mm -hmm. you take the time as you're developing these products and you're not like doing them overnight, you know, it doesn't feel jarring to your audience Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't feel jarring to your business. Yeah. Yeah, you raised some really great points and and suggestions for how to think about stuff. Um, In a shocking turn of events, (laughs) you and I approach things a little differently. So as you were talking, shocking, as you were talking, I was reflecting a little bit um, on some some of my own progress and pivots over the last couple of years and uh, feeling a little bit of lack of coherence a little bit ha yeah that's a lie a big lack of coherence um in some in some areas and i think part of that goes back to um my my tendencies and my interests so there are a couple of things here and i want to call this out of myself and be honest about this because i suspect that there may be other listeners who resonate with this um i am the type of person who gets really into something and learning a new thing and doing a new thing for the sake of learning it not necessarily for the sake of, you know, learning it to provide service to somebody else necessarily. Right, like monetizing right? Like my, it. Right. Yeah. My joy comes from doing the thing for my own purposes. I'm a selfish human. <laughs> I actually That's feel fine. like it's kind of selfless in the way you're describing it. So it's funny that you would frame it that way. <laughs> I'm doing it just for me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Um, <laughs> but the the problem I run into is that then once I've learned the thing and once I've done the thing a few times, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Moving on to the next thing. Like, I don't care enough to necessarily go the next four layers of what I could do to make this a really marketable, you know, product or to develop a line of services or whatever. Like, I enjoy doing the thing for the thing's sake and then at the moment that I could like turn it into something I could make money off of, I'm like, eh, I mean, I could do that. I don't really want to do that, but I could. Yeah. You've like (laughs) lost interest in it. Exactly. And I've kind of like, Ooh, what's next and new and shiny. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a problem. (laughs) Um, but it's also something that I think other, especially multi-potentialites struggle with. Um, you know, if you're, if you're the type who, um, you know, gets really into a thing. And then once you've kind of figured it out or, or gotten the joy out of it, you think you're going to get out of it, then you want to move on to something completely different and new and exciting. And so like, there's a tension there between wanting to, um, to learn this thing and to, you know, to dive into this new topic, and also needing to take that knowledge and share it in ways that's useful for other people, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's where the service and the product stuff comes in. And so I've been thinking more intentionally about that with respect to some of my um, online video work. Um, Online video, as I've said, I think before on the podcast is something I've fell into more than anything. I was like, Oh, this looks cool. Let's try this. And over the last five years or so, it's really morphed into Uh, several different things. And so, you know, I'm trying to be more intentional and more thoughtful about what are the lessons I've learned? What are the things that other people who are just starting in this would, would benefit from? Um, So for me, it's less of a, of a thing of like, let me talk about this while I'm figuring this out and, and creating a product at the same time or a service or whatever. For me, it's like, oh, I should reflect back on this thing that I've been doing for the last five years and maybe provide something useful out of it. Um, it, You know, Katie, it strikes me that yours is much more uh, intentional and thoughtful about like the future of where you want to go. And I feel like mine is a little bit more reflective. So I I just want to call that out because I think it's sort of an interesting difference in how we kind of approach this and and look at our businesses. Um, But mine being the tension that like if I'm doing the reflection stuff and thinking about what can people learn or what can people benefit from that I've already learned, but I'm also still not really that interested in that anymore. Like I'm on to the next thing. Like that's where it gets tricky. But when I'm learning the thing, I don't feel nearly competent enough to be 
developing a product or service, right? Like, so that's where I think it's just an interesting difference, um, in, in how we approach these, these questions. And I'm, I'm trying to be more intentional about things. Um, especially as I think about like, what do I want the future of my business to look like? But, um, it is a tension for me and it's a, it's a hard thing to figure out where in the process can I switch from, you know, passionately learning and doing this thing to providing a valuable product or service for somebody else. Yeah. No, this is actually an area where perhaps surprisingly, I think we overlap a lot. Like you're setting us up as being pretty different here, but I actually feel the same as a lot of what Hmm. you just described. And I think this is why I'm drawn to group coaching in particular, because just to give a couple of examples. um, So I set up this writing group program. It has not changed since I began it. Like I, I did it. I was excited about it. I'm still excited about it. I enjoy facilitating it. But the thing that changes it every time is the people. Mm -hmm. So we're still doing roughly the same structure every week. And the program looks the same. I market it the same way. But I'm not having to put a lot of energy into like recreating it every time. I don't have to have that kind of passion. I have passion about writing. And I have passion about the people who are in the group. And that's what kind of runs it. Same with my Radical Self-Trust program. I put a lot of creative energy into designing the curriculum for that program and into creating the 75 page workbook and into designing the website to promote it. I'm not recreating the wheel every time I run that program. The curriculum stays roughly the same. It's the people and what questions they bring and challenges they bring that really change it. And the techniques I have to use in that group coaching platform, like I think about even just last week, I ran a radical self-trust. We were in week four. And somebody brought something really intense to the group. And so I totally shifted what I would normally do. And we like focused on that person. And I did kind of a fishbowl approach where we just kind of coached that person and everybody learned kind of from watching what that person was dealing with. Of course, with their permission, they were totally up for it. Um, But that is not typically how I would have run that week. So like, I think that for me, I like doing the deep dive and getting to a place where I have something to share but then that thing stabilizes and it allows me to move on to something else that I'm that I'm also passionate about, like like this new coaching program around what's next. Like I'm not spending my time on these past things I've already created other than to facilitate them and bringing my facilitation skills and like that spontaneity of like who's coming with these different problems. But now my creative work is like shifting in another direction as I'm developing a new curriculum or I'm thinking about something else. So I think this is actually why a lot of people are drawn to academia because you end Mm. up like teaching something new every term or you're like, you're always changing every term. And so, but I also, I agree with you. This is why I struggle with writing books because by the time the book is out, I'm done. I'm I'm like moving on to the other thing. I, you know, like I have a book coming out this fall and I'm like thinking I have to promote it. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> yeah, like I'm just not I'm so over that topic. Yeah, I'm, I yeah. mean, I, I kind of am. I, I'm trying to think about like new ways to get creative with it and to infuse it with some energy for myself. But I, in this way, I actually think you and I are very similar. We're, we both identify as multi-potentialites. We both, you know, get excited and then we want to move on. Like we need constant feeding of our brains mm-hmm. and our creativity. And so, but I think what I've found, I think I found, I don't know that it's happened for long enough that I can like make a claim, but in my business, it helps for me to have these kind of foundational things that are consistently running on a schedule. Like the mm-hmm. work, the the writing groups run four times a year. Radical self-trust runs four times a year. Like, and then I have other things that I'm doing, you know, in the kind of margins of that, that are more creative. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's hard to talk about it because I don't want to, I don't want to imply that the things that I've already created, I don't care about anymore or that right. they're not important to me. Like, of course they are but they're not being infused with like massive amounts of creativity. Like when I'm creating something brand new from scratch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of that makes sense. And, and yeah, I see a lot of similarity um, in how we think about some of those things. I I think where I struggle sometimes is the um, changing over from the interest into something into the, like, let's create a thing that I can sell or market part of things, right? Like, uh, and some of this comes a little bit from um, education background, but I would say also um, in in sort of the YouTube sphere and online video sphere, like the expectation 
is kind of that you give it up for free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's hard to shift the mindset even um, into one of like, no, people should actually pay for your services. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, they should actually pay for your services. So sometimes I get stuck in the like figuring out which things and how to go about making that transition. Um, and in part because of, of audience as well. So, you know, your, your audience, Katie, I think is, is significantly different from mine in some, in some ways, um, in that in the early childhood world, especially, but education kind of more broadly, uh, you know, you're kind of expected to do stuff for free or that like the stuff that you have on your website should be free, that kind of thing, because there are so many organizations and groups out there that do free stuff. And so you're competing with all the free stuff that's out there. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of this like, you know, misaligned um, perception, I think sometimes too. But at the same time, like, I also want to push for people to pay for things that are worth paying for. And like, that needs to become a part of the conversation in in education as well. So I don't know, it's just a it's a thing I run into fairly frequently where, you know, I, I I feel like it's harder in some ways to convince my audience to buy something because they're so used to getting stuff for free. Right. <laughs> um, and so then it then it requires more thought about like, well, what product or service could I offer that would be different from that or that would that would be unique enough? <clears throat> Excuse me. What product or service would be unique or enough to to make that sale worthwhile? Yeah. And so that's that's where I get a little bit stuck too. So yeah. Well, I think this is like Seth Godin. I think I'm using this correctly when he talks about the purple cow, like this idea of what is unique, what is like your secret sauce. And for me, I feel like the and especially when I think about like this what's next program that I'm thinking of developing, which I have not started. I mean, I have a title, what's next? I have nothing else. <laughs> like I'm, I'm I'm starting to think about it. I'm starting to kind of think about the resources and, and the activities and the coaching and, and like what would be involved in it, but I really have not like written anything down. But it's a journey that I've been taking and Mm -hmm. I know other people could take that journey alone. Like if they wanted to, they could find the books I found, they could find the online resources I found. Um, but a lot of people feel too overwhelmed to do that. Like they don't want to do it by themselves. They want someone Mm -hmm. else who's already been there to go through and show them the process. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the part that I really can recognize my value in, especially with things like Sotal by Design. Could you, there are so many free Sotal resources out there. Like it is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. There's also a ton of free resources about blended course design. And I wrote a book on blended course design that I am selling. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. you could go out and find this stuff, but I feel like my, one of my superpowers is packaging things in a way that helps Mm -hmm. people to feel like they are not overwhelming. And it's the systems thinking part of me. It's the design thinking part of me. And I know that I have like locked in on that superpower. And I, I finally figured out, took me a while, that not everybody knows how to do that. And <laughs> that I do. And it's it comes naturally to me. I enjoy it. And I, I like breaking down big projects into small pieces and helping people to work through those things in a way that feels manageable. And that is valuable. Like that's mm-hmm. the value I'm bringing. It's not the content itself. Like you could figure right. it out. I mean, I mean, you're, you could listen to all the things I'm listening to podcast wise. You could read the books I'm reading. I am openly sharing what I'm reading and listening to on social all the time. Like follow mm-hmm. me on Instagram stories and you could like live my life. I mean, <laughs> you would know exactly what's going on. Um, but I think that that's not the point, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I think that when it comes to recognizing your own value, the sooner you can figure out your superpowers and those things that other people can't do, mm-hmm. that's the part that I feel like is valuable. And that mm-hmm. it's, and I think about this, we've talked about this, so I don't want to like beat a dead horse, but like I think about things, I, like I'll give a very concrete example of something I'm paying for this summer. So I'm developing a new keynote and it feels really important. It's around radical self trust and I want it to be amazing. And you and I have talked about, Sarah, how keynoting is like, questionable. <laughs> um, I, I don't know a better word to use um, that, you know, it's not always great. We've seen a lot of keynotes that are not great. Like it's hard to do it well. Mm-hmm. And I have developed this new keynote around radical self-trust and I want it to be really, really good. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't want to phone it in. I don't want it to just be, you know, whatever. Everybody who listens to this knows how important radical self-trust is to me. So I hired someone. Like Mm -hmm. I'm paying them quite a bit of money to walk through this process with me. And could I go read a bunch of books on keynotes? Could I go watch a bunch of keynotes? Could I try to figure this out myself? 
Yes. Like, I could mm-hmm. do that by myself, and I have chosen not to. And the value of what this person is going to provide to me as a thinking partner, as someone who can kind of organize this process for me, as someone who I can bounce ideas off of and have them be like, nope, don't go that direction. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's super valuable to me. I am totally willing to pay for that. Like, I don't feel yeah. bad about paying for that. I don't feel like it's a wrong use of my money. I don't feel like I'm being tricked out of my money. I don't feel like it's, I mean, like, I don't have any negative feelings about it. Like, it's just mm-hmm. something that I need. It's a service that this person provides. Um, and I'm going to wait to talk about who it is until I go through it and I can, like, give a full testimonial about it. But I will eventually share if I have a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you really want to know, contact me privately. Like, I will, <laughs> if you're like, I really need this service, like, um, I need it now. I yeah. will tell you who it is. But, um, I think that this is one of those examples of like, I am investing in this. I'm investing in myself through doing mm-hmm. this. And I'm also investing in this other person's services. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like, you know, we put weird money stories around our businesses when mm-hmm. really it's like somebody needs this, like yeah. somebody needs you and what you can mm-hmm. give to the world. And maybe it's like, they need your creativity. They need your video knowledge. Like they need all mm-hmm. of that. And it's okay to ask them to pay for it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, this is, these are good reminders, not only for me, but for listeners out there. Um, Katie, I'm curious, kind of coming back to our funnels idea, are there particular funnels that you're in the process of preparing for the future or that you can talk about? I don't know if you can talk about them or not. But. Okay. I feel like I, so, so this is something that Sarah and I haven't even really talked about yet. And so like the fact that she asked this question is like, your instincts are like so right on. Um, <laughs> it's like unbelievable. I'm just like grinning over here that you would know. I'm going to ask <laughs> this question. So the answer is yes. I'm just trying to decide if I want to talk about it yet. That's fair. I think I will. It's something I've been, like, not openly talking about, but so there's this thing (laughs) that I'm trying to create, and it's really early days, so it's totally possible that it will not go in the direction that I'm talking about, but um, I've been, as I get more coaching hours under my belt, um, I'm thinking about developing a coaching training, and this is something that takes so much time. (laughs) to develop Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time to get it certified through the international coaching federation there are all these rules of what it has to be i mean it's basically like you're opening a little school and you have Mm -hmm. to like have all these requirements and um it's something that i want to get started developing now because i actually have to level up into my next coaching certification level before i could offer this training like I need to be at a certain level and there's certain things you have to offer that you have to be at a PCC level which is the next level I want to do and you have to have 500 hours of coaching before you hit PCC level and I should hit that by the end of this calendar year so um that's I so in terms of like your point earlier about how I plan things like yes I plan things and I want to offer basically a beta version of this coaching mm-hmm. training at some point in 2020 because it has to run for six months before it can be certified. I have to have five graduating members before it can be certified. But when it is certified, those people get, for lack of a better phrasing, grandfathered in to their coaching mm-hmm. certification. So I can't say that it's certified, but once it is, then they get certification, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. So. I'm in a process right now of starting the preliminary planning for that. Like I'm actually going to be spending part of my, as we record this, it's May um, and I'm mm-hmm. taking a creative retreat at the end of this month. And part of the reason of that creative retreat is to start thinking about this coaching training and the structure of it and like how I can run it in a period of time that I can basically get it certified as quickly as possible um, so that I can be marketing it and putting it out into the world as like a real thing that has the certification attached to it. Now, this is a financial investment because I have to pay to have it certified. I mean, like there's all these things that go along Mm -hmm. with it. Back to your funnel question. The more I talk about coaching Mm -hmm. and the more I actively show myself coaching, And the more I put coaching on my website as kind of a front and center thing, the more I talk about coaching in my podcast, in these other places, it ends up serving as a kind of funnel for this. Because Mm -hmm. as I'm living the coaching life of enjoying this, feeling fulfilled by it, which is all true, like I'm not making any of this up, it ends up being a kind of funnel 
for have you thought about doing this too? And if you've thought about doing this and you want to kind of focus in, I think I'll be focusing in on more of a higher ed audience, you know, like with this training, I haven't seen other trainings that do that. The higher ed audience is very different. It is Mm -hmm. difficult in many ways to coach people who have to present as experts all the time. They don't want to come into a vulnerable space. Like there are all kinds of things you have to consider with people who are in that space. Um, And also patterns of what they experience that I've just started Mm -hmm. to realize from my coaching relationships. So that to me is my next funnel. Um, and it's, I'm not thinking about it as a funnel. I'm thinking about it more in content marketing, but I think mm-hmm. content marketing is very tied to yeah. funneling. Yeah. And, um, and also, so there's that. And then there's also the other program that I talked about that I'm not going to go into, um, kind of publicly naming it, but it did come up earlier this season, this thing that I'm kind of doing in the background and that I handpicked people for, that's another thing that I'm going to be kind mm-hmm. of revving up a funnel for in the fall. And mm-hmm. when I'm ready to start kind of publicly talking about it, when I have some testimonials, which we'll talk about on a different episode this season. <laughs> um, and, you know, so yes, I do think about these things. I do think about because I have things that develop logically out of what I'm doing now. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense like that, that when I'm talking about coaching and people coach with me and they have the power of that coaching and they're like, okay, so coaching is a thing that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I want to do that too. Well, isn't that amazing that I happen to offer a coaching training (laughs) (laughs) that you can get certified and you can like do this or whatever. So yeah, I mean, the the short answer is yes, but Mm -hmm. you know, and I, the challenge for me, as you heard me kind of go through when you asked that question is at what point do I start talking about some of this stuff? Um, And I do have to think kind of carefully about that. Now, knowing that we're not releasing this until August, Right. Makes me feel more comfortable that um, people might not actually even hear about it until September. And it may be at mm-hmm. that point that I'm actually actively talking about it. Um, yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's it that's the kind of the question mark for me is when I start to think about the funneling, it often gets tied in with content marketing. And that's often a question of when do I actually publicly start talking about a thing? Right, right. Yeah, that would be the challenge, especially as it fits into your larger marketing strategy, which are things that we talked about also this right. season. <laughs> well, and I, 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 I have thought about this so many times, and I love it. Like somebody once contacted me on Twitter when I had released a new thing, and I don't even remember what it was. It might have been Total by Design, and they were like, there's always something cooking in Katie Linder's kitchen. And I was like, there <laughs> is. There is there always is. something cooking. You know, like, I, it's how I function. Like, I always have to have something cooking. Now, whether or not I'm talking about it is mm-hmm. a thing. You know, like, sometimes right. I wait and I let something incubate a little bit before I put it out into the world as, like, a formal project that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. But this is something that I think is also just really helpful when you think about funnels, And I think about, I can think of some really good examples. Um, For example, and I I think we've talked about them before, Young House Love, which is bloggers, podcasters, they do DIY projects. And they bought a new house and they were like doing stuff in this new house and they kind of got to the end of like getting it all fixed up. And then they bought a beach house and it was like, oh, they're going to redo this beach house. And so they did that. And that was really exciting. And then they bought a duplex and they were going to redo this duplex. Like there was always something that they were doing, you know, that was like Mm -hmm. following on the heels of the next thing. Now, I don't know that their timing is always like based on their blog audience or whatever. Like I think they just do their (laughs) lives and it happens to be this cool stuff. But I think that like there's definitely something if I have a fallow period, you know, where I'm kind of like incubating something, Mm -hmm. you better believe there's something coming. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, <Right>. like <laughs> I always have something cooking in the background. And I think that when yeah. you have an online business, that's part of staying fresh and like following what your audience needs are is that you're mm-hmm. going to be constantly thinking about what do I create next that's going to be serving them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's always on my mind. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a very good observation by that person on Twitter. <laughs> well, Can't I, confirm. I love that it's idea. True. No, I love I it. I think it's, always, as soon as they said it, I was like, you see me. Like, I feel <laughs> seen that you said that comment. And hopefully that person listens to this and remembers that comment. I don't remember <laughs> who it was, but I was like, yeah, like this, this makes me feel seen. But I mean, I would encourage our listeners, like look around to the people that you're following that are kind of actively creating, actively producing new programs. There's a difference between the hyperness of creating new stuff because you're not able to sell things. And so you're constantly trying new things to like make money. Like Mm -hmm. I want to differentiate from that because I do see some people who are like 
constantly pivoting and it's because their business isn't working um, and they haven't kind of figured it out. And so they're like churning out like this new stuff just to kind of make money. That's different than what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about here, which is basically a natural evolution of your products and services so that you're serving people in a way that feels good. Yep. Yep. Cool. Okay. So one more thing about funnels, Sarah, because we've talked about this briefly before, and I think it kind of connects and this is cross promoting stuff through your various channels. Uh Uh-huh. I'm terrible at this. So, so teach us your ways, Katie. It keeps coming (laughs) up, but I want to connect it because I think it actually has to do with funnels Mm -hmm. that people need to see the connections between what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And one way for you to do that is to mention things when you're, when it makes sense. I mean, not mm-hmm. to like constantly be like talking up your other stuff, but it's, and we've talked about before kind of the discomfort of like someone asking you, of like, do you know anyone who does this? And you're like, well, actually I do that. Um, and it, it feels kind of weird, but I feel like this has to do with this question of funnels is part of the way that people get into the later parts of your funnel is if you mention in a free part of your funnel that you do this other thing that's paid. Like how Mm -hmm. else would they know unless they're like combing through your website on a regular basis, which Mm -hmm. people probably aren't doing. So um, there has to be some kind of strategy around mentioning these other things that you do that are paid. Um, And I tend to do this through like podcast ads that I place and I do it strategically around timing of launches. But I'm curious if you have ways of thinking about this. And I know you don't feel like you're very good at it, but are there Mm -hmm. things that you're doing to kind of plant seeds with different audiences so they know that you're kind of like, would you ever do this with the Honestly series? Would you ever like put something in the Honestly series that points to something else that you're doing that's paid? Honestly, probably not. (laughs) Which is maybe, you know, why I have trouble with intentional funnels and intentional marketing. I, I... Again, I, I, I have a, tr- I have trouble. My, one of my challenges is uh, thinking about all of the different things that I'm doing and how they're interrelated. Like mm-hmm. They don't they feel don't, interrelated to you. They don't always feel interrelated. Mm-hmm. And even the ones that do, um, I don't know. I, I, I dislike the feeling of being uh, upsold something. <laughs> Yeah. Like if you're going into a store or something and you're like, oh, this is kind of cool or da, 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 da. And somebody comes up and says, well, did you know I have this other thing? And I, I, I don't like that feeling um, as a consumer. And so I think I, to a fault, default the other direction where I don't mention anything. And I assume like if you're really that interested, you will find what you need, um, which again, to a fault <laughs> does not make me an especially uh, successful, you know, business conversion person. Um but I, I just know that that feeling doesn't always feel good to me. Um, but the other part of it is that I'm not, I'm not always good at remembering the, yeah. the different things that I'm doing at any given time. Like, I, you know, once it's done, it's out of my head and I'm on to the next thing. And so part of where I need to grow a little bit in this area is, you know, having either a repository or making some notes about here are the things that, that I have done recently how can I pull them in for other new things that I'm talking about in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely an area for growth for me um, because I, I don't do that well. Um, and I know it's it's kind of a necessity and kind of part of, of how um, people do business <laughs> online and in person. Um, so that's definitely an area of growth for me that, that I have thought about some. I haven't thought about exactly how to institute a change to make that happen. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that's on my mind. So I just bought a new car. So I understand the upselling discomfort. (laughs) Um, cause you know, I mean, it's the worst car sales are just, Oh, it's so hard. Um, and I don't envy those people at all having to sell those cars. Um, but I was also thinking as you were talking about a situation recently where I was hired to do a keynote, um, and it's not happening until like early 2020, they got in touch with me like a year in advance, which is super nice. Thank you for doing that. Anyone who does that. And, um, anyway, when I was on the phone with them, they were talking about scholarship of teaching and learning at their institution. And I said, well, do you, do you know that I happen to have a course on that? And they're like, no, like, tell us more about your course. Mm -hmm. And they ended up being an institutional member for Mm -hmm. scholarship of teaching and learning. And they bought one of the highest packages I've ever sold of Mm -hmm. that. And if I hadn't mentioned it, 
they would not have known that I have this thing. And right. and it was actually exactly what they needed because they were doing mm-hmm. these faculty learning communities. And I think that that to me is the difference with this stuff for people who feel uncomfortable with it is, and this happens actually to me a lot on the exploratory calls I do around coaching is someone will come and say, I know you offer a few different things and I'm not sure which one I need. Like, can we just talk about it? And I will often end up also referring them to a couple of things that are not what I offer that other people offer that could also meet their needs. Like I want to give them a full range of, of options. And I think that when you go into those conversations with the priority being the sale, it's a mindset that doesn't allow you to listen to what the customer needs. I'm not saying you're doing this, Sarah. I'm just saying there's a difference between doing that and doing what I'm talking about where you're literally hearing their their goals and their needs and you're like oh i can help with that like mm-hmm. i do have this thing um and there's other things out there too and here's what they are can i help you figure out how to solve your problem um and i i don't know like i maybe it's just experience but i've gotten so mm-hmm. much more comfortable with that where i'm just mm-hmm. like do you know i have this thing that you know you're talking to me about needing writing accountability and i offer like three different versions of how to help with that like <laughs> i mean i i feel really passionate about it i want to help you like here here's some other stuff that you could do that i know of but i don't know i mean i think that when it comes to the funnel part of being comfortable talking about it is because like the origins of why you created something is actually solving a true problem for people and so of course you'd want them to know about it like, mm-hmm. cause it's actually helping them fix something. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that it's, maybe it's easier for me to say that now that I have this like constellation of things that mm-hmm. have all grown out of each other. So I want to acknowledge that too, but mm-hmm. it takes time to figure this stuff out. Yeah. It takes experience to feel comfortable creating these Agreed. marketing things. I mean, to kind of bring it full circle for like this entire season, marketing is hard. This is why we decided to focus on it. Like <laughs> we struggle. Like it, it is a constant yeah. learning situation of like, how do you do this in a way that doesn't, that feels aligned and that doesn't mm-hmm. feel, you know, icky. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Lots to think about and, and lots of things, food for thought for future intentional funnels and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, always good to hear from you, Katie, about how you're thinking about this stuff, because I, I think probably many of our listeners can also attest that like hearing how you go through this and how the process works on your, on the back end and, and how you're thinking through things and how they're all connected, um, kind of, you know, pulls back the curtain a little bit on all the things you're doing and, and really draws that connection, um, and makes it clear for people who are also trying to do this stuff. So thank you for yeah. sharing all your wisdom. You can always count on me to be thinking about things. <laughs> In a shocking turn of events. Right. In another shocking turn of events. All right. Well, always good to talk with you, Sarah. And I'm also looking forward to wrapping up season five in our next episode on testimonials. So um, hopefully people will enjoy that as well. Um, But yeah, always good to talk with you. Yeah, you too. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Your Way. Show notes and a transcript for this episode can be found at katielinder.work slash podcasts. Make Your Way is part of the Radical Self-Trust podcast channel, a collection of content dedicated to helping you seek self-knowledge, nurture your superpowers, playfully experiment, live your core values with intention, practice loving kindness toward yourself and others, and settle into your life's purpose. Learn more about the RST channel at katielinder.work slash podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please also consider rating and or reviewing the show in iTunes. Thanks for listening.